Buffalo Bread Podcast, Week 14, the revenge rematch with the hated New Jersey Jets. Um, I'm JJ and I'm here with Dan, and we are getting this thing cranked out on a Saturday morning, Coffee Pod. Uh, how are you feeling, Dan? This matchup, uh, it's a little dicey, it's a little scary. It is. And um, the first thing that surprised me about this matchup was how big the line was. I think the line is is favoring Buffalo by 10. And this takes into account the fact that the Jets have already beat the Bills and that the Jets have found potentially a more effective QB to manage their offense than Zach Wilson. So we're going to see the return of Mike White to Buffalo. We all know how the first matchup went last Four season. Interceptions. Four <laughs> interceptions. Um, White is already kind of flapping his gums about this being a revenge game. You've got the New Jersey Jets wearing Mike effing White t-shirts to try to rally the team around this cause. So I, this does not feel like a, like a Buffalo blowout, my friend. This feels like, and we're going to get into it, it feels like a very winnable game for Buffalo, but still a really hard-fought one against a much-improved divisional opponent. So I'm looking forward to get in, getting into it. And I think there's some parallels that we can draw between our most recent win last Thursday, two Thursdays ago, against another divisional opponent, the New England Patriots. I think there's some stuff that Buffalo can take from that game plan, i.e. dialing up some nice blitz packages and feeding James Cook 20-plus touches that I think will we'll transfer over. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get there, do you want to talk a little bit about the Buffalo Bills overcoming those said other divisional opponents, the New England Patriots, uh, a couple of Thursdays ago, uh, the week after Thanksgiving? Um, I, you know, I think a lot of people have already rehashed that game over and over and have moved on to the Jets. That's cool. That's fine. Um, I, you know, I just have a few things to comment on that game. I thought that it was an evolution of, uh, of Ken Dorsey. The, the offense, especially in the run game, uh, first six weeks of the season before the bye, sort of didn't have an identity. They were trying to mix in some zone for like a game, and then they'd go gap for a game, and then they'd go power a little bit, or they'd get some pin and pull concepts happening. Um, but it all, all seemed like they did it, you know, matchup specific and kind of locked into one style for a game. What we saw in the Patriots game that we hadn't seen yet against a good defensive rushing front um, they had a lot of success, and the Bills are the only team in the league that's averaged uh, over 100 yards of rushing every game. And the last few weeks, it hasn't been all on Josh Allen like it was the first half of the season. And part of that is their ability to kind of effortlessly and gracefully switch between types of blocking schemes on the offensive line, um, whether that's wide zone and sweeps or, um, like I mentioned before, pin and pull inside zone or straight-up gap power, double teams, and those sorts of things. They showed something that I was really impressed with, especially in the face of a few offensive line injuries over the past few weeks, of being able to change their scheme and change their um, approach on the fly to keep that defensive front guessing. Because what we were seeing in the first half of the season was the defensive front would figure out which, you know, which blocking scheme they were using and then shoot the gap they knew would be there based on who we have. You know, they'd be like, oh, Roger Saffold's feet are a little slow. I know he's going to try to stretch on this play. I'm going to knife through and boom, bam, you right. know, I've got Singletary in the backfield. Um, this time around, it's like, oh, I, I thought there was going to be a gap there, and instead I'm getting doubled. And so I think that that's the nice thing is they've kept the defensive front guessing, and that might work against this Jets team as well. And so um, that's a, that's a thing I like, I like to see in the New England game, and it seems like they've kind of figured it out. It seems like the offensive line has that kind of 
um, rapport and they're gelling together to be able to do that because what in order to make that work probably the reason they were doing it scheme by scheme game by game was because they did not you know they didn't have the trust and the and the com- comfortability to move back and forth within the game um, it looks like they've built that at this point so I'm really excited about that and finally um, Josh Allen is a goddamn unicorn um, don't ever <laughs> let him leave don't ever let him retire uh, because you know, throwing a ball across his body within three inches of the sideline will get you an interception six out of ten times. But the other four, it's just magnificent and magical. Um, and, uh, you know, he, <laughs> he just did what Josh Allen does. No, no mistakes, which I really appreciate out of that one, that one fumble. Um, and it was, a, uh, it was a great game. Uh, loved seeing the, the Patriots dominated. Time of possession was like 38 minutes to 20 minutes, so... Um, love to see it. It was no question the entire game who the better team was, and that was wonderful. Yeah, I m- my my unsophisticated thought on the Patriots is that they suck and they should go into a rebuild <laughs> mode. And I, I've said that for a couple of years, and yeah. I know they're not going to rebuild. And I, I Belichick is just too stubborn to do. And quite frankly, he probably doesn't want to do it at the end of his career. Rebuild no. this team up, but that that is a team that just lacks a lot of high impact personnel. Um, especially along the offensive line, which you never would have thought you would have ever said about a New England yeah. Patriots team. But when I, I look at the the organizations that have done the least to support their young developing QBs, I look at Chicago, who I think will add some talent this offseason now that they've kind of unlocked Justin Fields. But keep in mind, they've done absolutely nothing throughout the course of the season to help him, and don't at me with Chase Claypool. Yeah. And then I, I and then I look at the Patriots like Devontae Parker, a what looks like absolute waste of money in Janu Smith, and you trade Shaq Mason, one of your best interior offensive linemen, before the season starts. I I just don't understand what the personnel build out in New England is, and I don't understand what their offensive scheme looks like. Um, but I agree with you. I don't want to talk too much about the Patriots because, like I said, they they suck. They're they're te- they are the worst team in the division. Which feels incredible to say after oh, twenty so years. <laughs> They're the worst team in the division. They've got, I think, the furthest path back to becoming competitive, especially with the young nucleus that the New Jersey Jets have assembled. The what looks like Mike McDaniel unlocking Tua and all the the speedy skill players they have there, and then of course Buffalo being Buffalo. It, New England just feels like the furthest from the pack at this point, and and. I don't feel like I want to talk a lot about them, but I agree with you. The thing that that seemed to be the most impressive, and this game was the convergence of two things that we were expecting kind of from the beginning. If you remember in our earlier pods, we talked about what the the tandem of Ken Dorsey and Aaron Cromer, our offensive line coach, was going to be able to build out in the run scheme. And then we talked about the slow buildup of usage of James Cook which has been on this very steady trajectory from the beginning of the season up until this point. And I think you saw the perfect convergence of those two things happen in this game. The fact that, and and this is where I think Dorsey and Cromer are value-added over Dayball and Johnson, is that this run front that the Buffalo Bills are rolling out there, like you have perfectly stated, it's now multiple on a lot of different levels. And that's going to be really hard to game plan for. So... 
in the absence of a really good pass-blocking offensive line, now you keep the defense on their toes with a multiple run front where you're not just going to be able to pin your ears back and go after Josh Allen on what you perceive to be passing downs. And <clears throat> and the, addition, the, the solid inclusion of James Cook now into the game plan, which this is nothing against Motor, but I think we saw it on that Thursday night game against New England. The smooth acceleration and the ability to go 0 to 60 in like 0.1 seconds is such a game changer, whether it's catching passes out of the backfield or making more out of the holes that this offensive line is creating in the run game. James Cook just looks like the better fit for this scheme that they're running. And Singletary still getting his touches, doing what he needs to do with his touches. But that game was the ascendance of James Cook. And I think there's another level that Dorsey and Cromer are going to get out of this run scheme that's really going to help accentuate the skill set and highlight the skill set that Cook brings to the table. I think we're starting to see the convergence of these things, JJ, where the Buffalo Bills aren't just raising their floor, but they're starting to attain some of that ceiling in the run game that I think we hoped they would when they brought on Cromer and they drafted Cook. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that, uh, you know, we're seeing also a lot less empty sets with Josh Allen, um, where the defense ex- knows exactly what's coming. We're seeing some pony sets with two running backs in the backfield. And in some of those situations, neither of them are, are even faked the handoff. They're just out on pass routes or in for pass pro. And that's like really nice because that also shows me a little bit that James Cook as a young player uh, is developing some of those pass sets and, and pass blocking, which is yeah. I I talked about on the pod for you know ever since we started this thing that it's not about who's the better runner in this offense, it's about who's going to keep Josh Allen the more clean and know where they where their help is needed first. Um, that's probably the most important uh, running back skill. Um, and you know, uh, there's a uh, a thing about James Cook game that nobody nobody else in the backfield had. He has speed, but he has suddenness. He's able to yes. like find a very small crease and make it positive yards in a way that, that nobody else in that backfield can. I mean, and Naeem Mines is fast, but if James Cook, um, and I don't think this stat is collected, but um, I wonder what his yards after tripping are because that dude just trips all <laughs> over his own feet the whole time. He's always slipping and tripping. And I know yes. that, you know, um, New England doesn't have the worst field conditions, and even Stefan Diggs after the game joked about having to teach the rook how to pick his knees up so he actually can run. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I just kept seeing him, he like get the ball, and there's like all this space in front of him, and he slips sort of and just dives forward, and it's like, hot oh, damn it. Um, so <laughs> hope that improves. That's something we can look forward to, hopefully, um, as he kind of. And I'm, it seems like the kind of thing that you know anyone who's ever played any kind of sport, even at you know super high school levels knows that feeling of you're about to make a play and you're so juiced up that you just literally fall you puke all over yourself right <laughs> yeah, just, yeah you're so excited um and so you just kind of has to get that in check make it more normal um but yeah i think that you know we can kind of button up the new england game um mac mac jones is still trash uh he's <laughs> he's obviously upset with uh his defensive coordinator who's calling offensive plays matt patricia um, yet again, Bill Belichick proves to, to make the choice in his coaching staff toward the familiar instead of the like revolutionary. Yep. And that I think will be his, that's going to be his like old school, uh, that's going to, that could be his coffin nail of his career is continuing to try to do things the quote unquote Patriot way when 
the league is all about evolution and you know still having you know have heavy thud padded practices more than most teams in the league and different things like that has also shown its head in, in this team dropping off the Patriots dropping off in December every year mm-hmm. um, and his players looking dejected and just out of it so yeah, they um, I, they look pretty spent. It'll be interesting to see what happens week 18. Week 18 could be a meaningless game against mm-hmm. the Patriots at this point, but it'll be interesting to see if if at some point Patricia does take a chance in this scheme and let, tries to let Mac push the ball downfield and attack the sticks a little bit more. I I I I, I don't know that Mac has the skill set to do that consistently mm-hmm. and this in the scheme that he is best at that at is when you spread spread three or four guys out, you put Mac in shotgun, and you just let him go to work, right? It's that Alabama offense. And I I don't think Patricia, I don't think they have the personnel to run it. No. And the offensive line are at wide out. And I don't think Patricia has the the chops as an offensive play caller to, to maximize the a scheme like that, that anyway. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just, I, I mean, I, I don't know where you go if you're New England, except, whole, again, wholesale change across the board. And... The guys that Belichick continues to reward, like Matt Patricia, bizarre to me. Absolutely yep. bizarre to me. What yep. the what the incentive what the incentive packages of that culture are. Um, even McDaniel's, who is a, I think we both agree, is a really good offensive play caller. But after his whole like flirtation with Indy, and then before that, yeah, like flaming that. out in Denver, like br- bringing him back, like not that you ostracize guys, right? But Belichick really does go for the familiar and the comfort food yeah. when it comes to his coaching staff. And I think McDaniels, McDaniels, when he was there, just his, his chops as a, a play caller covered up for a lot of those yeah, kind of other inefficiencies. Sure. This, yeah, it, New England is, is completely uncompelling to me and irrelevant <laughs> as far as I'm yeah. concerned. And it feels awesome to say that. And, so, And I have to say, you know, um, for those listening, we, we actually recorded this pod to a critical failure on my on my hardware um, <laughs> Thursday night, um, and it crushed it. it. One bit that I that I said on the pod that you'll never hear the lost pod. Um, <laughs> the lost, is, the lost is tapes. That, uh, <laughs> the thing, the thing that I loved the most about this game was one Joshua Patrick Allen, but two was the was the the whole like end the 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 cheese on the taco of this game was the Patriots looking absolutely pathetic. Like, it was pathetic at the end of that game with Mac Jones with no arm and no improvisational skills running around 30 yards behind the line and then duffing balls into the dirt, um, (laughs) making nothing happen on an extended play, uh, followed by kicking a field goal with two minutes left when you're down 24-7, to followed by, um, you know, missing missing on the onside kick and then letting the Buffalo Bills kneel the clock out while you still hold three timeouts. And after the game, you know, Belichick was like, "Well, uh, you know, we uh, we knew we knew which way this thing was going, and uh, we we had our players injured in, in an earlier game when there was no, no reason to be playing, and so I just thought that was the prompt, the prudent choice." I don't disagree with all that, but it just looked pathetic. It was sad, it and I I could eat that all day, just like the aforementioned tacos I was talking about, which. I'm gonna to have to find some Mexican food soon. Because yes, they're on the yeah. Of my mind. Yeah, I mean, even now as it is 7:15 a.m. in the morning, I am I am now also thinking about uh, Mexican food for You're potentially welcome. lunch. Yes, thank you, yeah. thank you for All that. Right. Other things I'm thinking about, JJ, Mike White and the New York Jets coming to town. So we've already previewed the Jets. 
on one occasion. We know what the defense brings to the table for the Jets. We know the struggles that the Buffalo Bills faced in trying to uh, fight against that defense. Not just the pass rush, but the superior coverage that DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner brought to the table in Game 1 in New Jersey. Um, This is still a, a top 10 defensive DVOA team, and under Mike White, their offensive efficiency metrics have definitely risen well. Granted, Zach Wilson was a low bar, but their offensive efficiency has creeped up into the top 12 under the the stewardship of Mike White, White at the head of this offense. So, uh, JJ, to me, the Jets seem like an improved overall squad from the first matchup that we had against them in New Jersey. Um, and granted, the Buffalo Bills are getting healthier in some ways and maybe not healthy in other ways. Um, but Vegas has this game at a, at a minus 10 in favor of Buffalo, um, which seems two, two scores seems kind of crazy to me, given that the Jets have shown nothing but improvement and grit since the last time we saw them. So, JJ, what, what is your take on this game? I'm, I'm a little confused by what I'm seeing out there and some of the, some of the uh, talking head takes. Yeah, so um, one thing that's important to remind everybody is that when Vegas, so the numbers don't lie is one thing you could say, but then also understand what where the number, then the context of the numbers. The, Vegas is not saying that the Bills are plus 10, the better team. They're saying that the Buffalo Bills are the betting favorite, the individuals, the world, people believe the bet, the, the better bet is the Buffalo Bills. So like... They'll set the odds, but that, that those odds are set upon where that money's flowing. And so um, people can be wrong. I mean, every week there are massive underdogs who, mm-hmm. who win. There are um, massive favorites who don't cover. Like So that, that, you know, take that for what it's worth. What I think about this whole situation is that there are only two questions to answer in this game to determine the winner. The first question is, will the Bills protect Josh Allen? And the second question is, will the defense shut down Garrett Wilson? And, like, if those two answers are yes, the Bills will probably win this game and probably by more than one score. I don't know if it's going to be ten points, but I think it would be at least seven. So um, the problem with the Bills the last time that they played the Jets was that they were – uh, they gave up multiple sacks on Josh Allen. I'm pulling the stats right now. Just barely. He was sacked three times in that game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, and it was only, it was 20 to 17. And so the Bills looked terrible in that game. He was sacked five times, Dan. Oh, five. Holy crap. He was sacked five times. And he was pressured um, on 40% of his dropbacks. Yeah. Sacked, sacked five times. Uh, the Bills punted twice, but threw two interceptions, and they were beaten in time of possession. Um, and yet, at the same time, watching the game, especially the first half, I think the Bills got up to a, you know, a fourteen to to ten lead or fourteen to three lead in the second half, um, going in the second half, and then the Jets came back with a late score in the second quarter. And so, it, you know, for the Bills to go in that whole second half. Um, only you know three points to the Jets ten was the, that was the whole story of the game is that the Jets shut the Bills down in the second half and part of that was that they switched up their pressure packages and got Josh Allen on the ground and all of the drives that ended in an interception or a punt for the Bills had a sack on them and so mm-hmm. that that's no question a number one is will the Buffalo Bills be able to protect Josh Allen 
Um, if they do that, the offense, I think, will be okay. Um, and then the other question is, will the Buffalo Bills be able to shut down Garrett Wilson and Mike White in that passing attack? Because that is what, um, that's what the decider was for the Jets being able to go out and score 22 points against the Vikings, is that, you know, Mike White was 31 of 57. He threw it for 57 times. They had multiple times at the end of the game to win that game um, and, and couldn't get it done. But Garrett Wilson caught eight balls for 160 yards, averaging 20, 20 per uh, per reception. So you can't have that. You cannot have that. We can't give up that, that yardage. Um, and I know and I trust that the, the Bills with Trey White back in the fold, who wasn't in the first matchup, it looks like um, Jordan Poyer's going to go. He's got no designation for the game. Uh, Jordan Phillips, another Jordan, Injured his shoulder diving at Mac Jones on one of those aforementioned uh, thirty, you know, thirty-yard retreats uh, while he was preventing being sacked. Uh, unfortunate because it was in garbage time, but Phillips is probably out for a couple of weeks at this point. Um, Matt Milano is questionable. Deion Dawkins is questionable, and Reggie Gilliam is out. So, um, looks like they get uh, Mitch Morse and David Questenberry back, uh, which is great. Mitch Morse played every snap last time. Matt Milano played every snap of the game last week and was apparently injured early in that game, um, but then the knee kind of flared up. So it, it'll, I'm curious to see if, if he'll just gut through it. I, I probably, I would guess he would because he missed the first matchup with the Jets. And that and left was a lot t- of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he a lot left a big stuff. hole. Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff open in the run game especially. And so having him back would be great. Um, and Deion Dawkins, I think, is, is for question number one, can the Bills keep Josh Allen clean? That, that part of that answer is Deion Dawkins. If he's in, that's good. Even if he's in at, at not full 100%, that'll be better than David Questenberry for sure. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I feel you on the line, man. I really do. Um, this thing opened at nine and a half. So mm-hmm. someone, someone thinks the bills are going to, are likely to run away with this game. Right. And I just, I, I still can't get that out of my head. And and everything you've just laid out, I think is part of the reason why. Because for for as dominant as the Jets were in that first game, the Bills just need to make some simple tweaks around protect, protection of Josh, taking some pressure off of Josh, which is where I think this James Cook stuff could potentially be transferable into this game. If you if especially if Dawkins can't go, um What's the best way to to stunt a a pass rush, especially a pass rush that is as effective as the the Jets are at rushing four and getting home? Is you have a really effective run game to slow them down and make them think twice a little bit. So I see Buffalo as part of the protection scheme for Josh trying to establish that run game early in this game. Um, and, and I think this is just what we, as Bills fans, we need to, I guess, accept right. I, I and. We had some of this coming into last season, too, is that we wanted the Bills to run and gun, K-gun, tempo, no huddle, right? Whatever our expectations were, spread it out wide every single snap and blow people out by 40. Yes. But I, but it, but I think the Bills have slowly but surely, in the face of all the Twitter criticism of this offense, really built what is a well-rounded offense that, as the season has gone on, has become harder to game plan for and harder to predict 
and that's because of their almost stubborn commitment to developing this run game. But we have said it before, like, this is a not just a short-term thing that the Bills can take advantage of to be effective. This is a, a life insurance policy for Josh right. Allen if they can take some of the pressure off of him to make a play every single down. So I think that is going to factor in here because it, the Jets, as you said, they were down 17-3, I think, at one point in the second half there before they came back and won that game. Um, second quarter, yeah. Second so, quarter, yeah. They were, I think uh, they, they opened... Um, against the Bills, you're talking about, right? Yeah, against the Bills. I th- I think they only had three heading into the second half, right? No, it was uh, it was fourteen ten. Fourteen ten. Sorry, that's 14-10 right. Fourteen ten at halftime, and then in the uh, in the third quarter, the um, Jets got it twenty to, uh, or I'm sorry, got it seventeen to fourteen. They actually took the yep. lead and then held it. You know, yep. the rest of the never game, so. never looked back after yep. that. Yeah. So um, so what I what, what I think we are likely to see is that the Jets after that first half they went away from playing man because they're just you, just you still you can't man up and consistently shut down these Buffalo Bills wide outs I, I don't yeah. care if you've got Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed on the outside they went to cover two shell drop back seven pass rush four they were getting a lot of pressure with four guys my guess is that the Jets are going to come out in a similar scheme to start the first half because that's yes. just what worked for them. Yep. And I think you're going to see the Bills counter with a lot of James Cook and a yep. lot of runs to pull some of those safeties up. And then, man, if I'm Ken Dorsey, I am lining up Stefan Diggs on whatever side of the field Sauce Gardner is on. And I know that sounds freaking <laughs> ludicrous, right? But if there is anything Stefan Diggs loves more in his life it is putting number one dbs in a blender and the the jets are committed and we saw this with with justin jefferson the jets are committed to keeping sauce on one side of the field and i know that dorsey when he's at his best likes to line up digs in a in a bunch of different places in the formation but i think i think if I'm Dorsey, I'm just lining digs up against wherever sauce is on that side of the field, because that's also going to take away some of their ability to bracket and successfully double Gabe Davis. And I think Diggs has the advantage on Gardner, but more importantly, I think Davis has the advantage on Reed. Yes. And I think that's the matchup that you eventually want to exploit after you establish the efficacy in the run game and pull those safeties up. You want to be able to hit Davis over the top and really get him going here at the end of the season. Absolutely. No, that's all great analysis. And I, I agree that there's some um, there's some angles and matchups that they want to exploit that you we can see watching from from a fan's perspective. Um, and, you know, for all of Bill's Mafia, how this game goes in the first half is it is a referendum on how good these coaching staffs are, um, both the Jets and the Bills. If the Bills look like they're completely stifled and the Jets are able to move it, move it a little in the first half, um, then I think that the edge goes to the Jets, that the Jets are the better coach team at this point in, term, in scheme, in scheme and, and planning, because they, teams have already seen each other once this year. They know what their talent is and they know what they're working with and so, it, you know, again, if the Bills can't move in and the Jets can, then, you know, the Jets might be a little bit better at, at those sorts of game planning uh, pieces. And, and the second half will all, all but decide, you know, the outcome, of course. Um, if the Bills are able to move in and the Jets are stifled, then we're going to say, because they know each other, 
like you said, Dan, I think that the Jets are probably going to come out and try to use that second-half defense that held the Bills down to three points, and they're going to try to get a lot of pressure on Josh Allen to force him to throw interceptions because, you know, why, why go away from what worked? And whether or not the Bills can adjust to counter all of that is, is a determining factor, whether or not this is a championship-caliber coaching staff in scheme, you know, scheme alone. Yeah, man. I, the, this is... It, it sounds crazy to say this, but this is kind of a measuring stick game for the Buffalo Bills. It's their their first of what we th- hope will be two revenge games again for uh, interdivisional losses. And I agree, there's been a lot of time to game plan. If I'm Dorsey, I've had this game circled on my calendar for quite a bit of time at this point. And uh, I'm yeah, man, I'm this is what I'm really looking forward to. I I think this is going to be a competitive one, right? And we've talked a lot about what the offense is going to do against the defense. I do think we need to talk about Mike effing White, though. And <laughs> and and because that this team responds to White as well. And um, I, I struggle with my feelings about Mike White because I, I, I love a good underdog story. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but when I look at when I look at his advanced metrics, NFL next gen stats, like where he's at as far as pushing the ball downfield. He, he is at his, in his comfort zone as Checkdown Charlie when he tries to attack the sticks or when he goes for completions that are that are seven-plus air yards or more, he becomes a below-average QB. Now, in that Minnesota game, some of that showed through. Some of his, his limitations came through. But he is enough of a floor raiser for this Jets offense over Zach Wilson um, to make me wonder what Leslie, Leslie Frazier is going to dial up here because it's not just Garrett Wilson anymore. Now that Zach Wilson is out of the fold, they also have Elijah Moore, who is like this right. bag of tricks for that offense, more looped in to a lot of this offensive game planning. It's going to be interested to see because how long has it been since the Jets have had more than one wideout target that you need to worry about, right? It's been a while. So the Bills are going to have to, the Bills are going to, have to figure out a way sans um von miller to get some pressure on white so that he can't comfortably get through his reads and exploit his ineffectiveness when attacking the sticks and for me i think that's frazier dialing up some of these great blitz packages that he almost never has the chance to do in buffalo but he actually has a long and storied career as one of the best blitz designers in the league so for me i think it's the buffalo bills playing a lot of man which is this is why you draft Kyrie elam and i think it's dialing up some pressure on mike white to get him off schedule what are your thoughts on the the bills defense versus the mike white led offense yeah i think that this is going to be a good uh, um you know a good weather vane game of which way is the wind wind of change blowing on that defensive front for the bills uh with greg russo boogie basham aj Epineza. Are these guys able to step up in the absence and void that Von Miller left? Because he was in the first game against the Jets, and you know they did not use that to the advantage of getting uh, Zach Wilson on the ground often, but a lot of that had to do with Zach Wilson, who was, who was pretty slippery. And so um, they only allowed two sacks in that game. If they can up that without Von Miller, that'll say a lot for me, uh, especially with Mike White be, having one of the fastest releases in the NFL in his two starts. The Jets, uh, under Zach Wilson, had one of the slowest releases from the quarterback position. And so I agree with that. I think that, you know, um, as just kind of a a quick tangent, um, 
since it's a divisional foe, and you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't hate the Jets as much as I do the Patriots, but I don't have any much love for them. Uh, it is nice to see that their second overall pick quarterback is enough of a man child that he not only is benched, but he's on the practice squad. He got removed from the active roster completely. And then on top of that, um, it seems like maybe he is such a poor locker room presence that Elijah Moore was, was willing to walk and ask for a trade. And now that uh, Mike White's in the fold, he's come back to the team. Like, that's... That's um, crazy. That's just juicy, right? Like, the, yeah. their second overall pick two years ago is probably going to go the route of Baker Mayfield at this point, just in the early projection of his career, um, and be, you know, on five teams in four years or something like that. So, um, but yeah, I think that the keys for the Bills defense is I would very much like to see Kyrie Elam back out there. I don't know why he was benched against the, the Patriots. I know that they said they wanted to get Xavier Rhodes a look, um, but it didn't make a lot of sense. Like, they're, it's not like they're super deep with Christian Benford out. Why would you? I think it was health. I think yeah. I, I think it's a health thing. I, I, they I think, can't yeah. say it. Yeah. I, I think I think it's a health thing. I think yeah. I think uh, they've been so bitten by the injury bug. I, everything I've read out of local Buffalo media and even stuff coming out of Rochester media and stuff like that is is like Elam was a little bit more dinged up early on in that game than yeah. the Bills were willing to let on. And it, they just sat him to, to let him heal up a little bit, yeah. Well, if you don't uh, – he was not on the injury report during the week. And per mm-hmm. NFL rules, if you don't list somebody on the injury report and then you set them down and then you make them inactive, um, you can't come back around and say, oh, he had a bit of an ankle injury or whatever. Right. Because at that point you're violating the NFL rules. You have to right. be fully you know, transparent on your injuries. Um throughout the week and so i'm guessing that they uh i'm I'm guessing you're right nothing up to this point has indicated to me that the coaching staff or the team is out on kair elam as their first first round pick i mean right i mean especially is they're gravitating towards more man um i mean they played a bunch of man um against the the patriots which Mm -hmm. that that in fairness is a wide receiver core that the buffalo bills even with their backup should be able to man up but but yeah as they play more man Kyrie Elam has improved on his stats, passer rating allowed, completion percentage allowed, and zone. But in man, this dude is as close to a lockdown as the Bills have had in a very long time. So I I can, and we talked about this at the beginning of the season, that one of the things we were interested to see if the Bills were going to do this or not when Trey White came back is, would they play more man with Kyrie Elam opposite Trey White? Right. And I think they're di- dude, I think they're dying to do that. And I think yeah. now they they have a need to do that with Von Miller out, knowing that they can't just rush whatever amalgamation of these four guys on the defensive line out there and expect to get consistent pressure. So, I, yeah. yeah, I think they were being very cautious with Kyrie knowing that he factors into their long-term strategy for the remainder of this season. So um, that's one thing I'm really excited to see, too, is, is Trey White opposite Kyrie Elam, even if it's certain series. Um, so, yeah, I think that this this Jets front uh, can be had. They're pretty solid in pass, pass pro, and they look like they're fully healthy. Their tackles on the edges, uh, Dwayne Brown and George Fant, are not elite, um, but they're probably a little bit better in pass blocking than they are in run blocking. Um the DVOA rankings for the teams, I mean, the Bills are first overall in the league, according to Football Outsiders, um, and the Jets are uh, 
fourth in or fifth in defense. So we know their defense is good. Overall, they're ninth, so they're top ten overall. Um, but they're nineteenth in offense, and that's actually trended up. I think last week or the week before, um, they were below 20, the twenties, but they've moved up mm-hmm. into nineteen with Mike White because he's Mike been White producing. effect. Yeah, he's yeah, been Mike White a effect. little bit more. So I think really that's the thing is the, the advantage is the Bills are a more complete team um, that they're top five in both offense and defense, and the Jets are top five just in defense. Um, and so I think there's an opportunity here for the Buffalo Bills to shut down Mike White and and be very careful with their offense. I think that that's what we're gonna. That's what we saw with New England is is the approach to playing a very good defense um, last week for the Bills was uh, we're going to take what the defense gives us, check down underneath, propagate the ball down the field, nine you know ninety five yards and sixteen plays in nine minutes. Um, if that's what it takes, shorten the game and then take advantage of, of our opportunities. And so I really, I see that potentially being the, uh, the focus here too. Um, you ready to get into some prop, prop bets and prediction stuff? I am because my kids are done with their breakfast and I hear them stomping <laughs> I, around outside of Buffalo Bread's like, oh. <laughs> yep, buff, outside yeah. of Buffalo Bread Studio. It, it is yeah. a chaos, chaos yes. here at the studio. So uh, I think it's a great time for some prop bets. Let's start with the final score prediction, JJ. What do you got? I think the Bills win this one. Um, I don't think it's going to be that as close as the first game. Um, somebody, I think it was Uber Hansen on, on Twitter, or um, maybe it was on a radio spot I was listening to, um, he's of Reddit fame, uh, was talking about an angry Josh Allen effect. Um, there's like six games in Josh Allen's career where he's played a team that beat him once in a season, again, in that same season. And in those games, he's got like, 12 touchdowns to no interceptions and he averages a passer rating of like 114 so <laughs> he's pretty uh, he's pretty lethal when he like feels like he's been slighted by somebody he's very much into revenge i think the jets are going to try to uh, leverage that anger into you know foolhardy plays but up to this point that hasn't worked for any team you know every team knows he's going to come and try, come at them um if they if they you know beat him in any way because he's so competitive um but every time he's made the smart play and, and done what it's taken. So so I, I got the Bills 31-17, to 17, um, and that is a cover. Uh, the, the overall is 43 plus or minus on points. Nice. So you're going to take the uh, – are you ta- taking, you're taking the, the – uh, you're taking the over, okay. Over and right. cover, yep. Over and the cover. Wow, all right. Um, I don't know, man. That, gonna, ah, that's, there's some precipitation. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be a little rainy. I'm going to be at the game. Yeah, the the weather the weather is going to be a little bit messy, which we always have to factor into a lot of these predictions. Um, uh, Allen plays great in bad weather. Don't get me wrong. He this is why you get a a tank that can put a helmet on and, and yes. shoot a ball from his arm, right? To play these bad weather games in Buffalo, um, I, I'm I'm gonna go I'm I'm gonna go twenty four seventeen, and and this is more out of respect for what Sala and the Jets are building there. It, I, I think on both sides, both teams understand what the stakes of this game are. This is a must-win for Buffalo. They yes. cannot afford to go 1-3 in the division heading into what is going to be a, a primetime showdown the week following with Miami on Saturday Night Football. Um, we have said they've needed to win out in the division pretty consistently for the past couple of weeks, and and if your only couple of wins are going to come against the Patriots in this division, then you, you don't deserve to win it. Right, so I think yeah. the Bills win it. 
But I also think the Jets know that they need this game to stay in the hunt because you've got the LA Chargers that are kind of circling, the Pittsburgh Steelers, all of a sudden, Kenny Pickett is getting better. Their schedule looks pretty manageable here at the end of the season, especially with Lamar Jackson going down for Baltimore. You know, you've got some of these four and seven, five and seven teams that are hanging around out there that that could potentially usurp the Jets and where they're at right now if the Jets go on a go on a bit of a bad streak. Sure. So I think the Jets want to avoid back to back losses here. But and I think it's gonna make it close in a hotly competitive, hotly contested game. But I'm gonna go twenty four seventeen. Perfect. I like it. Um do you have any props? I've got I've got just a few. Yeah, I've got um I've got uh, Mike White. I've got, uh, because, you know, he threw four interceptions against the Bills the last time they played him. And he's he's talked a lot about that, and and credit to him, he's owned it. Um, Over under, one and a half interceptions for Mike White against the Buffalo Bills this week. He threw two against Minnesota. Um, I'll go over. Yeah. yeah, I think it's yeah. two. I think two is a good number because, especially if we're talking about the two he threw during Minnesota, weren't terrible interceptions. I mean, one of them was maybe a tip ball off Garrett Wilson's hands, and the second one was a garbage time, like tr- yeah. desperately trying to scrabble back. You know, play. He played good in that game. If yeah. Barrios hauls that that t- that TD, and granted, it's yeah. a little behind him and low, but Barrios yeah. hauls that in. We're having a much different conversation about yeah. this game. Yeah. So Mike White was not the reason they lost that game, right. but. He will turn it over if he pushes it past the sticks. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm going over. I'm going to take two. I'm going to take two. I think we're both good there. Um, James Cook, over, under, 17 and a half touches this game. Total touches. That's a lot. Um, He had 20. He had 20 against the Patriots. Wow. I like it. I think, yeah, I think think I'm going to take the over again because I do think that he's got a bigger role in this offense going forward. Um, I'm going to say he gets about 22. Oh, nice. All right. I'm I'm going to take the I'm going to take the under just for the sake of variety, sure. but I still but I still think he's going to factor big time into this game. Um it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see the usage between him and Motor early on in this game because I expect mm-hmm. the Bills to come out and try to run the ball. Yep. But I also think that if Allen's elbow is feeling a little bit better, this is where Dorsey is going to break out the unstoppable Josh Allen read option, yeah. QB keeper designed run play stuff too. So I, I see Allen, not Singletary, taking some of Cook's touches out of the backfield. Okay, sure. Um, I've got uh, I've got a couple as well. Um, I've got Trey White uh, over under half of an interception. Oh, let's go over. I would love to see Trey nab his first pick of the year against okay. Mike White. I'm going over as well. Um, and uh, I've got under, or I'm picking under this, but uh, the, the prop is three and a half sacks on, on Josh Allen. Yep, absolutely. Okay, I am, um, I'm going to. Yep, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna take the under. We don't know if Dawkins is playing yet or not, but I'm gonna yeah. go ahead and take the under on that. Yeah. Cool. And that's our, our cue. Yeah. <laughs> and the producer just said, "You guys, hey, you got to cut it off." So. All right. All right, so we've got our props. We're both feeling pretty good about a Bills win. I, I think it's going to be a little bit more sweaty than you do, but uh, yeah, man, yeah. it was. It, I uh, <laughs> I look forward to seeing what this game is going to ultimately turn out to be. So, ultimately, I'm also voting for my own like health and well being because being in the stadium, my heart condition 
is <laughs> is so much more at, at you know uh, at risk when when I'm there in the stadium for this game. So I really hope it's just a party the whole second half. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. Beers all around for Bills yeah. Mafia. That's the hope. I will uh, I will be texting you furiously as I always do throughout the course yes. of these games. Of course. Uh, for all of our dedicated, devoted listeners, like, share, subscribe, share this with a friend, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, go Bills. Go Bills.